It's the start of a new year, and it looks like we may have a new trade deal with China. The Trump administration has been touting their phase one agreement for a month or so. Is this deal the beginning of the end of the trade war, or will negotiations fall through again? And in the meantime, what has been the effect of these tariffs? Who have they hurt, and how bad is the damage? To explore these questions, I'm delighted to be joined by Lori Ann LaRocco. Lori is the author of many books, including Thriving in the New Economy, Dynasties of the Sea, Opportunity Knocking, and most recently, Trade War, Containers Don't Lie, Navigating the Bluster. Lori is also a senior editor of guests at CNBC Business News. Lori, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I think a lot of people don't really know how to judge this U.S.-China trade war. If you're looking at the job market, they, you know, they may hear about sort of the, the monthly payroll report or the economy. They hear about GDP. I think they're confused about how to know if we're winning the trade war, losing the trade war. So maybe you could spend a, spend a couple of minutes talking to me about sort of how you went uh, to look at the data and how you started looking at the statistics to figure out what's really happening. Sure thing. Um, I've been covering maritime uh, for, oh goodness, for more than a decade. And really when it comes to maritime, it's all about supply and demand. So when you look at trade, you always it's always going to flow. It's agnostic. It's going to go where there is need. And when I started uh, researching this and compared to the rhetoric that we were hearing from both sides, from the United States and China, when I looked at the trade data, and that's everything from the, the trade of oil, LNG, soybeans, uh, to even furniture, um, the, the flow of trade of what we were sending to China versus what they were sending to us was greatly different. And all of this data is public information. And I wrote the book because 90, over 95% of what is in your home comes on a ship. And I thought it was very important for everyone to understand uh, what we're hearing and what is actually transpiring over the waterway is totally different. Right. So I think if people know about any statistics, maybe they've heard about the trade deficit. So are these big macro aggregate statistics. But you did something different. You, you kind of got down there into the nitty gritty looking at what was really going on at the ports, right? Exactly. And that's where everything comes in and out. And uh, for example, when uh, we're, I'm sure everyone's heard about the soybeans, right? The soybean trade. Um, it's, one of, it's one of my favorite examples, almost up there with sorghum, but I love soybeans more. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, what happens is I like to call it the tail of the soybean. Um, it, you know, as you, as we all know, you know, Brazil um, is heading into their warmer weather where we're in our, you know, colder weather. So normally when it comes to soybeans, there's a seasonality, if you will, when you buy it. Um, there is a statistic and it's, it's actually, it's, it's quite unknown within agriculture that for every acre that is cultivated outside of the United States takes away the same exact acreage from uh, the U.S. farmer. And what happened was with this trade war, you literally saw with the containers, with the cargo, going into the ports of China, that they were increasing their uh, supply, if you will, of soybeans with Brazil. And that is something you cannot argue. And what happened was you saw this the, the steep cliff that we have seen 
over the last 18 months with the soybean. Um, and then also when I started looking as well, when you looked at the seasonality patterns, when uh, China wanted to buy the quote, the fresh soybean, like during our time of harvest, mm-hmm. well, well, instead of buying the North Dakota soybean, they bought the Canadian soybean. And it's the same exact bean. I heard our beans were better. Our, we, had, we had magical be- beans. There was some, with the quality of our beans in some way was superior and they could, these were not easily substitutable. And, and we were, and, and that's the whole thing. Um, you know, when it comes to China with China trade, it doesn't, you don't have to look that far from Belt Road Initiative and China 2025, where they're expanding their trade, uh, their trade world with other countries. And we have been substituted and it's going to, and it will be hard to gain that market share back no matter what we are hearing. Just, just uh, another question too, just about sort of what, how you went about doing this. So, how many ports did you look at? And like, what, you know, what are the key ports um, that you know, sort of that all this uh, trade sort of flows through? Sure. Well, the main port, when it comes to China, it, it normally has been on the west coast because um, it's a shorter distance. So, you look at the port of Long Beach and the port of Los Angeles. Uh, well, the port of Los Angeles for the last thirteen months you have seen a decrease in U.S. exports to China. They're not buying our products. And on the flip side, with the tariffs, you've seen a decrease of Chinese imports coming in. Um, But what happened was when you had the front loading and kind of close your eyes and envision like an ocean and just to the horizon of the end of the world, right? Picture all of these ships stacked one behind the other for the front loading. Well, what happened was you had front loading. You mean, mean sort of an anticipation of these tariffs. There was a lot of buying. Exactly. We heard all these stories about all these volumes of containers coming in. Those were all the U.S. companies trying to get their product in uh, ahead of the tariff before they got smacked with tariffs. But what happened was there were so many ships coming into just a couple of ports that these ships rerouted and then went over to the East Coast. And those are long-term commitments. So that flow of trade has permanently changed over the long-term because you just can't decide to go from one port to the other willy-nilly. You have to make commitments moving forward. So I looked at pretty much all the ports that in terms of who uh, supplies to China and then more importantly, where that product came in. And when you look at the flow of trade, and as we hear this resolution, right, with phase one, the flow of trade, based on the flow of trade, it has permanently changed because of this trade war, where the West Coast ports have lost um, cargo and containers coming in, and it's been shifted over to the East Coast. And also, with the companies that have moved, remember, we have heard about these companies like Nike that have moved over to Vietnam. Well, those containers, they don't have to go to the port, the West Coast ports. They can use uh, the Panama Canal and the Suez Canal, which takes us to the East Coast ports. And which are the East Coast ports are we talking about? The East Coast ports that we're talking about are Savannah, uh, New Jersey. Lauren, I'm from the Midwest. I I don't know any of this (laughs) stuff. Ports, oceans and what you're talking about. I I just know about like the Board of Trade and the Mississippi River. So what are the, the East Coast? So Savannah, what are some other ones? Uh, Port of Savannah uh, and the Port of New Jersey, uh, the Port of Virginia. 
Um, and, and, and the shift has been going on for a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to get too wonky, but you have seen a shift over the last, you know, several years, but the front loading, this push, this surge, if you will, of all these containers, it kind of sped up the process of this movement towards the East coast where the port of New Jersey is now the number two port in the nation. It has unseated the port of Long Beach because of this. As, as part of it. So you, and, you've seen a big shift. Are we also seeing a shift in sort of markets where uh, if, 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 if uh, China's not buying our soybeans, they're buying Brazilian soybeans, does mm -hmm. that just shift back here at the end of a trade war, uh, whether it's some other kinds of commodities? Do we sort of just go back to where we were before the trade war started? Because you were talking about sort of these, these you know, long-term shifts in ports. What, what about just long-term shifts in the in the in the you know country by country trade destinations um it, exactly it's not it's not going to go back um and you've heard it like now that i i've kind of pointed it out if you go back to the rhetoric that we've heard from china saying that you know they've talked about african swine flu which has decimated over 40 percent of their pig population okay they had to kill 40 percent of them they also said that they have trade agreements where, well, what are those trade agreements? We're talking soybeans, we're talking LNG, we're talking oil. These have already been pre-made. You just can't snub Brazil after they have been a reliable trade partner for the last 18 months, and they've expanded their acreage to service them. So they're gonna come back, but they're not gonna come back at the volumes as they once did. And it makes sense because if you have a partner where you normally trade, ahead of time with us, because remember the Brazilian soybean season is ahead of ours just because of geography, right? Mm -hmm. If you can buy more beans ahead of your next customer, you're going to buy your more beans. So that's why you're hearing the hedging with Lighthizer saying, oh, well, the extra 5 billion is gonna come from lumber. So they already know it's baked in there because the last two years before the trade war, the U.S. ag industry was already making close to $50 billion with right. China. There's no big magic thing here where you're going to have to buy more John Deere's. You're going to have to plow more land. You don't have to because we were already doing it. But the problem is they don't have the pig population to you know, consume our soybeans. And they already have expanded their trade deals with other countries. And they can't renege on those. I think what people want to know, again, to kind of get back to my original question about, you know, sort of, are, are we winning? Did we undergo some sort of, or, you know, our farmers and some sectors undergo short-term pain mm -hmm. uh, for sort of long, you know, longer-term gain, uh, higher trade going forward, freer trade going forward, uh, fairer trade, however you want to describe it. From what you're describing to me, it's not very clear at least in terms of China buying stuff from us, that whether that's the case. Yeah, it's too early to tell. I mean, we haven't had. Well, the president seems very sure that yeah. <laughs> he, does not say, he does not think it's too early to tell. But no. it sounds like it sounds like when you're actually looking at what's going on, I won't, I don't say on the ground, but sort of on the ground and on the ocean, mm -hmm. uh, it seems less clear. It's definitely less clear. Um, you don't have the demand. And we haven't seen the demand. Like today, 
Um, we just had some recent USDA data come out for the, the week of, it ended December 12th. Okay, that was what the day before um, the, the trade deal was announced. Uh, China did uh, have a, 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 a decent sized purchase of, uh, of pigs, if you will, okay? And that's good. But they also cut back future, uh, future uh, uh, purchases. And the reason why I'm bringing up the pigs versus say soybeans is you have Lunar New Year at the end of January. Lunar New Year is a very big holiday where they consume pork products. They need the pork. So you have to look at the tail of the pig, so to speak, in the next couple of weeks to see how much pig are they buying? Because they haven't set a clear date yet. Secretary Mnuchin did say on CNBC that the deal is definitely done it's already been translated. They're just going through like the final legal sweep, but we don't know the details of that deal. And the, the big win would really be on intellectual property and, and uh, technology the, with the forced transfers. That's the ultimate deal here, but we don't know that. And in the same breath, you know, Manoush and Lighthizer, they say if China reneges, it, this uh, deal gives the president even more leverage to throw tariffs on on China, but we're already doing that. And let's not forget, we still have tariffs on a lot of products. Oh, for sure. Well, um, the, when the president has talked about trade, typically, mm -hmm. whether that's in rallies or, or tweets, he really has sounded sort of the same themes as back in even in the 1980s when it was when Japan was sort of, you know, our our big trade uh, competitor. And he has spoken about it uh, in almost purely sort of buying stuff kinds of terms, very concerned about trade deficits. Yep. That's that's how we sort of judge trade, that if your country has a big trade surplus with the United States, obviously you're winning, we're losing. Mm -hmm. So so three years from now, five years from now, how purely on that sort of buying stuff basis that the president you know, put aside intellectual property and tech transfer, any of this other stuff, but sure. purely on that basis, which is what the president is always really focused on, first and yeah. foremost, what I mean, sort of what is your expectation as we look back? We think, wow, that really ended up with China buying a lot more stuff from us, uh, particularly these 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 commodities, or not? And and what no, and what will you be looking at in particular to figure that out? I'm going to be looking at at, at the, the literally the trade flows to see what comes out of here, what comes what what flows out of the United States into China. And as of right now, I do not see any big surge of a win because that based on the flow with what, what's going into their country, um, they, they were able to replace the United States on a lot of different things. I mean, they're, they're inking deals, even with LNG, they have a new pipeline that they're working on with Russia. And, and you and I both know when it comes to uh, liquid natural gas, um, you need to have those deals to fund future production projects. And there were a lot of projects that they have not committed on. Those mutual, um, those memorandums of understanding are worthless pieces of paper until you actually strike a deal. So I don't, I'm, I'm going to be looking at the flow. And more importantly, I'm also going to be looking at how much uh, hogs are going to be purchased over the next month it, just to see their goodwill because over the course of the 18 months, their goodwill declarations have not uh, translated into 
uh, purchases of, sig of significant value. I, I also wonder, and you know, to try to get into the heads of the Chinese a little bit, mm -hmm. whether they view the U.S. as sort of reliable and President Trump as reliable. I mean, obviously, you had a situation where Mexico, you know, we they, they, we 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 have this NAFTA replacement deal, but mm -hmm. then the president was going to you know put new tariffs on uh, because of immigration. I wonder if if China just sort of permanently go, you talked about kind of these contracts and permanent changes and flows. I wonder if China will also permanently just not think the U.S. is as reliable a trading partner uh, and therefore certainly wants to have other options and not just be reliant on us. Well, and it, and, 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 but that's their whole thesis. They don't want to be reliant on just one person. That's why they're, that's why they've been expanding with the Belt Road. And that's why um, they've been going so uh, ever forward, if you will, with the China 2025. They don't want to be a manufacturing, um, you know, country. They want to be more of a tech country. And we have seen that with the push with 5G. Um, and, and based on the trade deals that they've made over the last 18 months with other countries, um, they have really, Xi has really stuck with their long-term vision. Remember, they think in dynasties. They don't think in election cycles like we do. And based on what they're doing and where they're putting their money and who they're aligning with, um, I, I don't think they're ever going to have that cozy relationship that that you that you know folks think that we should have with them. Um, let's just kind of wrap up here. Uh, this, we've been talking about the phase one deal, um, which, as we're speaking, isn't completely finalized. If, I, if I'm correct. Uh, Will there be ever be a phase two, phase three, phase four deal? And what would they look like? Well, I mean, you know, on CNBC, we, you know, we, we, we talk to, you know, the, the deal makers and, and everybody says, like even Mnuchin uh, just recently said, we're focused on getting phase one done. You know, like, let's implement phase one, because honestly, we've pushed the administration on, on the mechanisms of what they're, how are they going to do it? How are you going to enforce phase one? And we haven't even gotten the um, the details yet. We just keep on hearing, well, you know, the president can just leverage tariffs again. But um, you know, the 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 world markets. Boy, that seems hard. Like, yeah. start pulling tariffs off, and then okay, now we're going to completely reverse course. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, all this talk about business uncertainty. I mean, that's I mean, that's exactly. business uncertainty. You know, it just you know couldn't be any clearer. Exactly. It's just going to feed into the uncertainty. And, you know, I mean, you know, China could wait. You could see what happens over the course of, you know, the, the next, you know, the first half of 2020. We could, we could see what happens there. Um, there's a lot of unanswered questions and it's not a victory. As of right now, you can't declare victory because we have yet to see anything. And based on the flows, we haven't seen any gains. Last question. In 2020, Will trade be as big and as contentious an issue as it was in 2019? Yes, because remember, we're not we're in a trade war not just with China. We also have a trade war brewing with the European Union, and uh, we have extra tariffs that are going to be coming down the pike in February on food. And um, you know, the the weaponization of trade is part of the administration's plan in terms of dominance, and I don't see that. Uh, not being levered in the future. Lorianne, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Sit